0: Hey everybody, welcome back here to Stuff You Don't Need to Know. This is Jay, and this is a new segment that I'm going to be trying out here called Cinema Fantastique. Basically, I'm going to be taking a look at movies from uh, maybe the early 2000s and going on back into the 80s, 70s, you know, movies that I've seen and really, really enjoyed and don't really hear a lot of people uh, on other podcasts talking about, and hopefully some of the films that I talk about uh, will interest you. Don't worry, Diana will be back. She is enjoying her summer. You know, she's going to be going off to college soon, so she is just having a lot of fun. But she will be joining me shortly to do some more AP comics and talk about a few other things. So, let's just dive into it. So, what movie am I going to be talking about today? Well, this movie came out in 1994, and it is based on a comic book that was written back in 1989. Now, When I went to see this film, I did not know about the comic book until shortly before I was going to see it. Um, Of course, I'm talking about the movie The Crow. So what had happened was, saw the trailers for it, looked like a really good movie, dark, gothic. Brandon Lee was starring in it. And of course, you know, by the time the film was released, we had all uh, learned what had happened to him. Tragically, on the set, of course, he had died during the filming of this uh, movie. You know, and with all that, I really did want to go to see it, and I never knew that it was based on a comic book until really right before I was about to see it, so uh went down to the comic shop, uh, it was actually, all the issues were collected into a graphic novel, black and white graphic novel, and I picked it up, but I did not read it. Um, what I tend to find, and I'm sure a lot of you guys will agree, is that the book, or in this case the comic book, is usually better than the movie. So I didn't really want the movie ruined for me, so I saw the movie, then thereafter I read the comic. Um, if For those of you that have read the comic, I'm sure you know people are going to agree, disagree, people will say that. Now, you know, comic book was much, much better, the film didn't do it justice. I tend to disagree. I think this film really did it justice. Um, Yeah, they changed some things around, and some of the changes were a bit... I mean, they were definitely Hollywood-driven, let's just say. But when I explain the differences between the two, I think you'll understand why. But I think this film did a great job of really capturing the world of the book. I mean, this was a dark gothic film. Um, You know, if you saw 1989's Batman, you probably thought, wow, you know... Tim Burton, you know, this is really dark. This is really gothic. Uh, The World of the Crow makes that look like a circus. Um, It's grim. It's gritty. Uh, It always seems like it's raining in this film. Uh, There's no sunlight at all. There's very little color in it. Um, The only really colors that you do see are if things are on fire. Uh, Other than that, everything is very, very muted. Um, It really gives a very grim and gothic feel to it. Brandon Lee's performance as Eric Draven. Outstanding. Um, He is dark. He is brooding. He is torn, twisted, conflicted. Um, Here, though, is one of the big differences, or a couple of the big differences, between the film and the comic. Uh, First of all, in the comic, he's simply known as Eric. Not given a last name... And that's about it. And we really don't know much about him. You know, um, here in the movie, uh, he's a budding rock star. You know, we do see that he did put out an album. Uh, In the film, we really don't know much about him. Other than that, you know, he is engaged to Shelley. And that is about it. Um, I did kind of like that in the comic, that we really didn't know who he was. I mean, really what the comic did is the story of Eric and Shelley were basically, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, broken down on the side of the road. Uh, They were actually celebrating their very recent engagement. You know, Eric had proposed. Shelly said yes. They went down to the beach to celebrate. And driving on the way home, the car breaks down, Eric is fixing it, and a car passes by full of a bunch of low-lifes and degenerates. And these are the ones that we do see in the film. Um, all of them are high, they're all crazy, and basically they go out there, uh, they shoot Eric in the head, leave him for dead. We find out that you know, he's paralyzed, he dies later in the hospital, and they attack Shelly. Um, you know... The comic book is graphic, but not overly graphic. I mean, we pretty much get the sense that uh, they rape and beat and, you know, just really leave her for dead as well. Um, And that's Eric's motivation, you know. And like I said, one of the big differences or one of the other differences between the comic... And the film is is when, uh, you know, we see their murder in the beginning. um, And again, the big difference is here is they're actually targeted. Uh, apparently they live in a building that's condemned or about to be condemned that, uh, sort of the main henchman or the main, uh, bad guy in this film, a guy who goes by the name of Top Dollar, uh, he pretty much wants them out. So he sends his gang of thugs over there to intimidate and terrorize them. They take things way too far and they end up killing both, uh, Eric and Shelley. Um, when Eric is resurrected by the Crow in the film, he doesn't really remember why, um you know he kind of begins this quest for vengeance, you know the crow does guide him to these targets, but again, you know really until he starts to come in contact with them, and uh when he comes into contact with uh Officer Albrecht, who was played by Ernie Hudson, who did an amazing job in the film, and really talks to him about it, you know that's when he really starts to remember. Really who he was and really what his mission is, uh, in the comic book, it is straight up vengeance. He comes back from the dead. The crow does guide him. Um, he's looking to kill all these guys, all these guys that, you know, not only killed him, but of course killed Shelly and took Shelly away from him. Um, in the comic there is a lot not a lot of downtime but there's downtime where eric goes back to the house where he and shelly had lived uh he broods about her he misses her um and the crow the crow who's guiding him actually does speak to him uh in the movie of course the crow does not the crow is really just a guide but in the comic book you know the crow speaks to him and actually mocks him and is like you know what do you what do you hold it on for you know she's dead you're dead you know, I'm a spirit of vengeance. You're here to to carry out my will. You know, you have to get vengeance on these guys that did you wrong. And you're sitting here crying about, you know, what happened to you and what happened to Shelly. Get up and get on with it. Um, you know, and we see him actually going quite mad um, in the comic uh, to the point that he starts to mutilate himself. Um, you know, he just gets a more and more crazed expression. And yeah, I mean, it just gets really dark from there, Um, but let's focus more on the film, I mean, like I said, this was a dark and gritty film, Um, you know, it really touches on, you know, sort of those ideals of vengeance, and kind of, you know, what would you do, you know, for love, Um, because, you know, people would say that, okay, this was this, you know, you know Eric's wrath or or Eric's quest I should say was was driven purely by vengeance. Yeah it was. I mean, you know he and Shelley were murdered. I mean, they were planning on getting married, they were young, they had their whole lives ahead of them and it was brutally and senselessly taken away from them. Um so of course naturally, you know Eric is brought back to to sort of right that wrong, but I think, you know the other thing is, the other thing that really drives him is his love for Shelley. Um Because it's kind of hinted at, and we see it towards the end of the film, that he knows that when this quest of his is completed, he will be reunited with Shelley, you know, in the afterlife. Um, Let's forget about all the other films, and let's forget about the TV show, because that's just ridiculous. You know, he knows at the end of the day, you know, he's going to be reunited with Shelley, and, you know, that's really one of his big motivations is, you know, to get vengeance for the two of them. More probably more specifically Shelley um because there is the scene where he does talk to Officer Albrecht, you know he's trying to put the pieces together of what happened um officer Albrecht pretty much explains to him that you know he he was there you know um he was there when they brought Shelly to the hospital he saw everything that she went through uh and that really you know when Eric um comes in contact with officer Albrecht and kind of you know gets all those feelings and thoughts and and what officer Albrecht saw I mean you know that kind of continues to fuel him you know, and fuel his quest, um, you know, he feels, he feels the pain that Shelley had. He feels, you know, her fear and everything. Uh, And he even feels the remorse that Officer Albrecht had. um, And he carries that with him for the rest of the film. I mean, you know, that's, that's really, you know, kind of dark imagery there, you know, if you think about it. Um, You know, before this film... Brandon Lee, of course, he was known as the son of Bruce Lee. Um, He was also really kind of known for doing here and there a few martial arts films, Uh, some of them trying to be serious, some of them kind of funny. You know, (laughs) the most famous one I can think of, I don't know if we really call it famous, but um, one of the wackier ones I can think of is Showdown Little Tokyo, where he teamed up with Dolph Lundgren. Um, You know, he wasn't really making a name for himself at all. Uh, And this film was really going to catapult him. I mean, it was a pretty big role. Um, there's really no martial arts in this film. Uh, very few. I mean, yes, there are a lot of fight scenes. There are a lot of action scenes. But if you think about it, it's mostly gunplay um, and it's mostly mayhem and murder. <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, Brandon Lee isn't doing any spinning back kicks here. He's not, you know, really doing any classic sort of martial arts. I mean, this is not a martial arts film at all. This is sort of like a gothic tale of of horror and vengeance. Um, so, you know, his, his portrayal of Eric or, you know, his, his leading this film really relied upon his acting, you know, his martial arts, they weren't even a factor in it, you know, yes, you know, he's an athletic young man. Um, you know, he definitely had to look for it. And something that's really, really interesting is, um, when he took the role, and, you know, he read up on it, he read the comic, and he got into the character of the Crow, you know, he 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 approached the director and he sort of said, you know, look, <clears throat> my character, uh, you know, my character is killed and he's coming back from the dead to sort of wreak vengeance. You know, yeah, he's brought back by this supernatural power, but, you know, he's not going to be the same. Uh, basically what he was saying was is he's going to, He's almost sort of like a living corpse when he comes back. So Brandon Lee, who, you know, athletic guy, martial artist, um, you know, was... Let's just estimate it here, you know, because I think I read this somewhere. He was probably about 190, 195 pounds, you know, muscular guy, martial artist. Um, So in some of the scenes that they filmed before the murder, you know, the scenes of him and Shelley together, the things that he reflects and reminisces back on that is sort of a, that's <laughs> weird to say, but it's sort of a full-sized, um, Brandon Lee, he then pretty much I don't want to say starved himself, but he lost weight. He he went from about 190 down to about 165, 170 pounds. Um, he wanted more of a gaunt look. He really wanted a sort of capture that living corpse kind of look, you know. And he he dedicated himself to to that part of the role. Um, you know, he did a lot of research into golf culture. He went to a lot of golf golf clubs. Um, listened to the music. He really got into it. Um, He really consulted a lot with James O'Barr. James O'Barr is the man that wrote the comic. And just a little aside, you know, there's a lot of rumors that go around about why did James O'Barr write The Crow. Um, You know, I've heard stories saying that he witnessed the murder of his family right before his very eyes, this and that. And really what it was is, you know, when he was a young man... um, his fiance was killed by a drunk driver and it was something that he never really got over and he started you know shortly after that a few years after that started to write and draw the crow you know sort of as a way to cleanse his soul sort of as like a, a catharsis or something like that you know and he said in even in recent interviews you know from uh, two three years ago he he's really said that it really didn't help him very much um you know he said if anything the more and more he wrote the comic and he drew the comic he he, these feelings of of hate and anger and vengeance just kept coming out and coming out he was pouring it onto the page but it just never stopped and you know i really hope that all these years later he has found some peace in it. Um, you know, I was looking and an interview he gave back in 2014 or 2015, I think just about three or four years ago, he says, no, you know, it, 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 it helped him very, very little. He said, if anything, it kind of fueled, you know, anger in him and, and, and a need for vengeance in him, you know, more than, bring it out onto the page and sort of like expunging it from himself or expelling it from himself it just actually kind of stoked the fire a little bit more and I mean you know you would think that something like that would be a great way to sort of lift that burden from him but if anything it seems to have weighed him down even more and like I said I can only really hope that one day he does find that peace but you know, Brandon Lee did consult with him and, and sort of asked him, you know, sort of these questions, you know, why, why did you write it? You know, how did you develop this character? And, you know, they had lengthy conversations. So, you know, Brandon Brandon Lee really seemed to understand the role that he was given of eric draven and 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 again i think he portrayed it very very well um you know we see the conflict in him you know we see when he's on his quest when he's hunting these guys down one by one i mean we see that vengeance in him when he confronts these men we see that hatred we feel that hatred you know he really conveys that to us um But then when he he does have his alone times and he's remembering Shelley, um, and then when he even runs into, um, Sarah, the little girl that lived across the hall that, you know, knew him and Shelley, um... You know we sort of see you know the emotions he has there you know the love that he had for her and 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 how sad he feels for her life um going so far as to take time out of his quest to sort of help her by cleaning up his uh, her mother uh, and really trying to set her on a good path so Sarah could actually have actually have a mom actually try to try to have a life you know something that she hadn't had and You know he wanted to try to give to her you know before he sort of completed his his final you know his final quest there another big difference here is you know in the movie top dollar he's the main boss he has this sister played by uh byling who is a half sister whatever i i don't know it's really really weird there this was pure hollywood to me um you will see nothing of this in the book. Like I said, in the book, um, in the comic book, Eric and Shelly are killed pretty much by a roving gang of maniacs. Um, there is really no leader. There is no motivation. I mean, the motivation is, like I said, they were drunk, high, and crazy. That's it. You know, they weren't targeted. Uh, there was no plot to take over, you know, the neighborhood or whatever like we kind of see in the movie. Um it's just a random act of violence. Uh, a horrific random act of violence, but a random act of violence nonetheless. So, you know, we get this in the movie, um, you know, and again, I guess it's it's to sort of, you know, really tell kind of more of a Hollywood story. Uh, you know, who are these two? You know, uh, especially the sister. She seems kind of mystical. You know, she's very fascinated by the crow. She has an obsession with eyes, which is like... That just got a little weird. But, um, you know, their plan is to try to steal, you know, Eric's power, the crow's power from him. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it creates a confrontation at the end. You know, there's some, some, you know, drama and action at the end. I don't know, especially after reading the comic. I mean, even even that point in the movie when we got there, I was a little like, you know, I, I was I was enjoying going through Eric's quest and, you know, his need for vengeance and his need to help Sarah. I was really enjoying that. And, you know, maybe if you want to make that final confrontation, you know, with sort of the last member of the gang be a little more meaningful or a little harder than some of the other ones, that's fine. But to kind of set up this, you know, mystical otherworldly thing and stealing his power and, and the sister and this and that... Um yeah, I don't know, I, I I don't know, I mean, it wasn't horrible, I guess it was good, like, when I saw it in the film, I was like, okay, all right, you know, here it is, the big climax of the film, but then when I read the comic, and saw that this, this element's not even in there, eh, I kind of wondered, you know, was it really needed, could they have really kind of wrapped it up another way, could they have followed the comic a little bit tighter, you know, that, that part of the story, but, like I said, overall i i think they did a great job with this film uh it's a film that i still enjoy today um i did watch crow city of angels which was the sequel and i regret doing it because it totally ruined the mythology it just distra- you know they they created something special in the crow and they ruined it um never watched the tv show never watched any of the other sequels never read any of the other comics there were novelizations that came out really i i stopped after city of angels i i just stopped and it was a mistake that i even watched that one to begin with um another thing that i really enjoyed about this film was the soundtrack it had an amazing soundtrack uh you know you have stone temple pilots nine-inch nails my life with the thrill kill cult jesus and the mary chain the cure um I think Henry Rollins is on this, um is on the CD as well. Really, really great music. If you get a chance, read the comic, because in the comic, uh, James O'Barr is a huge fan of Joy Division. Um and he sprinkles uh Joy Division lyrics all throughout, usually sort of in like cutscenes, I guess we we could say, or transitions from one scene to another. Um He also throws in a lot of, like, poetry and prose in there that are, you know, very gothic, very, very dark, um, so those are some really good things to kind of take a look at, but, you know, music was a big part of uh, James Hobart's life, um, like I said, he was a huge fan of Joy Division, um, They, unfortunately, could not appear in the film or or on the soundtrack. Um, He really did want them to, you know, perform or, you know, perform a couple of tracks for the movie soundtrack. They, for whatever reason, I don't know why, they were unable to do it. Um, And that's kind of a shame because back in the day, I used to actually like Joy Division. But really, overall, this is a great film. Um, And kind of leads me into wrapping it up here i mean these are the kind of films that i'm really going to be talking about you know in the upcoming in the upcoming future here on cinema fantastique you know some of those films that you saw but maybe have kind of forgotten over the years and maybe this is a nice way to give you a reminder to hey let me let me go pick that one up and watch it again or if you haven't watched it like i said if you haven't watched the crow absolutely go out and watch it and if you are interested and you do want to read the comic i suggest you do what i did Watch the film first. Read the comic second. You're not going to be disappointed that way. Trust me on that. Alrighty, so I'm going to wrap it up here on Cinema Fantastique. And like I said, uh, you know, this is a segment I'll be doing every once in a while where I'll be talking about films. Maybe Diana will join me on one of these. You know, she is a big film buff as well. Or maybe some of my friends out there uh, can partner up and we can talk about films, uh, you know, that we enjoyed uh, either, you know, growing up as kids or in the high school, college years, early adulthood, whatever it was, you know, we'll definitely talk about it. Of course, please check out www.brothersandarmchairs.com. That's all one word where you could listen to all the great podcasts uh, from the brothers. This is Jay signing off.